Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin, Shane, who goes by Big Orange Balls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I'm just excited to be on here talking some SEC football once again with you everything's going great over here man how you doing man beautiful day right you know what i'm saying it's like you could you couldn't have nailed it you know this weekend i'm i bet it's gonna be raining of course you know but (laughs) but no here in east tennessee we've had some gorgeous days back to back and uh just been enjoying that brother other than that you know any news i could get (laughs) any little nugget of college football we've been soaking up here and uh uh, do you got any? Please say you got something for the listeners today, Mike. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we got a little bit of nugget. We got uh, a couple callers okay. call in show. My buddy Jake Wimberly uh, from uh, ESPN Radio out of the Mississippi, and and he's got his CFB hourglass projection. So we're going to get to all that, and I even got a little list for you, Shane. It's list season, ranking season, talking season. I think yeah. this this is one I think you and the SEC audience are, are really going to love. Okay, man. Again, no heads up on this one. I mean, I'm I'm just as blind as you guys are. So let's just sit back and see what Mike's pulling out of the hat today. All right, we'll get to that in just a second, Shane. But you want a nugget? Here it is. I think it was just on the last episode we were talking about Auburn being connected mm-hmm. to this uh, former Nebraska Texas quarterback Casey Thompson. Well, he visited over the weekend. No commitment as of yet. But uh, throw a little wrench in there, Shane, because Michigan State's starting quarterback, his name is Peyton Thorne, he has apparently skyrocketed up the list for Auburn. So, hey, now if we're Auburn, we got all these options here, Shane. We got Michigan (laughs) State starter. We got former Nebraska quarterback. So I think one of these guys, if not both, who knows? I mean, they're they're in such a – position i can't imagine they'll add both but i believe they're going to add one of these guys so and i think whichever one they add is probably going to be their starting quarterback next season so that will certainly have some reactions to that news but uh, mm-hmm. could could be a little shake up on the planes there if they they got a quality quarterback there yeah laying two of them wouldn't that be something yeah i'm watching <laughs> i don't know what's going on in michigan state i really have have you been paying attention i mean it seems like I, I, not quite Colorado, but they uh, they are you know it's like an avalanche. And I was always I was always afraid of this with the transfer portal. You know, uh, yeah. sometimes it giveth and sometimes it taketh away. And it's like I, it's not happened quite as bad. I mean, I would say Texas A and M was a little close there for a minute last year. It just felt like everybody's hit the panic button and getting into the portal. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those things that it's so fluid that it could go the wrong way and, and, and a, a whole team just implode like Michigan State. I mean, it's it's not going to be an easy rebuild up there. So do, do you know if anything – I've again, I've been loosely following – uh, the situation up there. Do you know anything about Michigan State? No, I got to be honest with you, Shane. I don't, but you're right. I mean, t- starting quarterback won 11 games a couple years ago. Uh, I yeah. think two of their receivers have jumped in the portal. So clearly, something behind the scenes is, is going on. But I wish I had some information. Maybe we got to have Michigan State guy on here just to trash <laughs> yeah. the Spartans. You know what? 
Yeah, I mean they're starting to sh- their roster starting to shape up the SEC, so I, I think we should know. And <laughs> and Colorado, that's another one. I think they've had like thirty something transfers. You know, it is right, absolutely right. absolutely nuts, man. Right. Well, Shay, like I said, we got two questions from the callers before we get to to Jake Wimberly and my little list here that we got. And again, if you want to be featured on the show, you want to give us a shout out, got a question, whatever, hit us up on that call in line. It's at 615-965-5152. And that's in the show notes. If uh, if you didn't catch it there, it's on the screen. But let's kick it over to Tom Shane from all the way from Japan. Ooh. Hey, this is Tom Harlow calling in from Tokyo, Japan. And, uh, Wanted to say I appreciate listening to y'all every week. Just go dogs. That's it. So thank you. Bye bye. Well, Shane, I know you're a big fan of uh, what is it, Tokyo, Little Tokyo, whatever. Well, like that. Uh, well, yeah, I love Little Tokyo. <laughs> if I'm on a budget, I'll go over to you know. Everybody's got that little sushi place that you can kind of trust. You know, I, I, there's one of those in in Morristown. Uh, but then there's like a, a whole bunch. You're like, nah, <laughs> you know. If you see lobster on the menu, you're like, there's no way that's going to be fresh. So only cook sushi at those at those establishments. <laughs> right, and the only reason I bring that up, Shane, because I thought that was the only tokyo japan reference we'd ever have on this show but how wild is it to think that uh shout out tom for calling in but how wild is it that we got people listening to us two rednecks all the way from japan it that just blows my mind isn't it that lucky bastard eating just eating whatever (laughs) he wants i'd love to go over there i ain't gonna lie you know my brother my your cousin my brother he went over there and he said it was like I stepped 10 years into the future. He, 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 I think he, uh, said something like it was like Tron, you know? And I was like, <laughs> man, maybe, maybe I should check it out once, but there's no way to hell I'm going to get my wife over there. I'll tell you that right now. So, uh, but maybe one day me and you can head over there to Tokyo and, uh, get some real, real sushi. Yeah. All right. And next, uh, Shane, we got Kevin from Gainesville. He's got an interesting question that, uh, I wanted to touch on here. Hey, this is Kevin from Gainesville, Florida. I'm a diehard dog fan, originally from North Georgia. But I got a question for you guys. What do you think should be done or what can be done about tampering? I was listening to your show yesterday about this quarterback from Notre Dame. He was uh, an active player on Notre Dame's roster, and within days he is uh, rumored to be going to Alabama. Uh, Georgia also had a player, Big Bear Alexander, that uh, entered the transfer portal and within an hour was already being rumored to be signing with USC, which he he did officially, I guess it was yesterday. So, man, something's got to be done about these teams tampering with players on an active roster. What do you think can be done? What do you think should be done? I love you guys. Love the show. Keep the episodes coming. All right, Chase. So clearly, tampering is going on. I mean, you you said it perfectly the other day. When this Notre Dame guy jumped in the portal, you said, oh, this is almost too convenient. That's because it is. Because this is all being worked on behind the scenes. And it's not every single player. I'm not saying that. Because there's many guys that go into the portal and they got nowhere to go. Or they're getting forced out, like at Colorado you referenced. But (laughs) these big-time players 
Mm-hmm. Tampering is clearly involved in uh, what can be done about it. I mean, here's the thing, Shane. I mean, they could do something about it, but nobody is going to want to do anything about it. You know why? Because they're all doing it, every single one of these coaches. And if you could get every single one of them to to not do it, then maybe we we could get somewhere. But if there's the slightest bit of competitive advantage, people are going to exploit it. And that's what they're doing now. And they may not be outright doing it. I'm not foolish enough to say Nick Saban's calling up – Buckner and, and saying, "Hey, jump in the portal, we we'll get you." No, but yeah. I'm sure Tommy Reese probably, you know, he recruited the kid. I, I think he's from out of California. Probably talked to his high school coach or or a family member, and then that family member relayed it. Hey, if you were to jump in the portal, they yeah. probably have a hope for you down there in Tuscaloosa. I mean, that's how these things are are being done. And in the case he mentions Bear Alexander, I mean, I don't know for a fact, but it's a safe assumption. I'm sure he got a nil deal before he jumped into that portal and it's not just him it's damn near every player that's committing out of the portal is is getting an nil deal to go to their new location so uh, until these coaches stop doing it this is this is not going to stop because they're all doing it and there's no incentive to stop because if alabama stops doing it auburn's going to do it if Georgia stops doing it, Florida's going to start doing it because this is just so competitive, so much money on the line, jobs are on the line. There's just no no stopping this, in my opinion. No, there there is no stopping, Mike. I mean, this we're not reinventing recruiting here. This has been going on for years, you know, a hundred years probably. Right. They've been tampering with recruiting and and making it lucrative wherever they want these kids to go to. So this is just another version of it. And yes. You're right, there is clearly tampering, but there's also, I guarantee, degrees of separation. You know, it's like you said, it's not Nick Saban reaching out here talking to this kid, but in a closed room, he may have mentioned, hey, if this kid does come available, do everything we can to get him down here. But, again, you better believe there are people coming to Nick Saban right now. Other schools, you know, they're playing in other programs and saying, hey, if my son or if my nephew or whatever decides to get in the portal, is there a chance that he can get down here in Alabama? What would it look like? So mm-hmm. it's 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 murky and it's it's a it's a it's kind of like underground. Nobody wants to talk about it, you know. But it, 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 we know it's existing and it's going to continue to exist because nobody's going to rat on each other because right. then you get caught. It seems like most of the time when you get these NCAA violations, it's because you got popped. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's like okay, clear. We got busted here, so let's go ahead and and, and let's turn these infractions in, you know, and, and, yeah. and try to try to lighten the load there. But you know, <laughs> until then, they, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Shane. So here's my list, I, and I I want to explain this as thoroughly as I can. Can Can I ask you before you go to off that off that note? Yes, do sir. these kids um do these kids have agents? You know, I, and when we talk to these NILs, is there a they're allowed to of, have they're allowed to have agents for NIL. I do know that. Okay, so I wonder, man, I mean, these NIL guys probably hitting these kids up in high school, just going ahead and I mean, I would imagine that's a dirty game being played right there, and I bet a lot of them getting taken advantage of, but 
Uh, but I was oh, just yeah. curious if if maybe that was more because first thing I thought was like Jimmy Sexton, you know, not saying that he's involved <laughs> or anything to do with it, but yeah. you know, just saying, just kind of scouting around nil contracts and if he were in a different market, maybe makes three times what he's doing. So I'm just curious if <laughs> what the agent. I never I never heard of a player's agent. I'm sure they exist though. Oh yeah, no, for nil, it's to my understanding, it's perfectly legal and. I think uh, Drew Rosenhaus, big time NFL, he he is the agent to many many NFL superstars. No, oh, okay. he, he's representing a lot of these Miami guys in NIL. Is my understanding. Shit. Okay. All right. So let me say, let me, because I'm always worried that uh, you, confusion. You you don't comprehend exactly what these <laughs> lists are. So let's make sure we totally break out get the crayons it. when you're explaining <laughs> to me here, Mike. Don't use them big words. Not necessarily trap games, but that maybe that's kind of the best way to think of it. I picked out 10 games here, Shane, 10 SEC games. Mm-hmm. Here's what we all do, Shane, and we're all guilty of it. When the, when the schedules come out, you know, when the preseason magazines come out, you look at your team schedule and you say, all right, this is a win, this is a win, that's a loss, toss, you know, toss up. That, that's the only three categories us fans have, right? Yeah. And yeah. So what this list is intended to be is I want games where one team is just automatically checking it as a win, the other is automatically checking it as a loss, and I'm saying yeah. hold on because when these games arrive, I think they're a lot closer to a toss-up game than you might think right now. So does that make okay. sense to you? Yes, yes. So not necessarily a, a I'm not predicting game. upsets. Yeah. I'm not yeah, saying right. this the all all these teams are going to get upset, but I'm saying if you're circling this as a win, if you're circling this as a loss, you may need to reevaluate uh, where you're thinking in the preseason. This one, yeah, no, I, I I get what you're saying right here. This is more of a toss-up game than people are letting on. Exactly. So the main reason I wanted to do this list, Shane, number one on my list. I've been watching Devin Leary, this Kentucky quarterback. I'm I'm all in on him. I think Kentucky. Upgraded at quarterback. Alabama, November 11th at Kentucky. I think Alabama fans assume automatic W. I think Kentucky fans, if they're being honest, automatic loss. But that's late in the year, Shane. Alabama has struggled on the road. Kentucky's got a a hell of a lot better home field advantage than many people realize. Um, I that is at the top of my list right now, Shane, of a trap game, so to speak, where Alabama's going to have to play well because I think Kentucky can knock him off. Thoughts on that selection? Yeah, oh, I'm sure Kentucky fans like hearing that. You know, I wouldn't call it quite a trap game. I'd call that high alert. You know, right. this is one that you just can't go in expecting a victory. Uh, I think the the Georgia Missouri game last year. Uh, a, a team that has pieces and has the ability to put points on the board, Kentucky will be able to do that. And they also got enough defense to keep this thing competitive. So what are the – I'm just curious, the the Alabama game, what do they got here before Kentucky? Or, or at, before and after? Do you got that? Yes, sir. They play, they play Tennessee and LSU before Kentucky. So, I mean, that's going to be tough. And I'm I'm not sitting here. I see where you're going with that Missouri-Georgia comparison. Yeah. But I think there's a chance. 
not outright predicting it, Shane, but I think there's a chance. I mean, this could be like a game day type. I mean, Kentucky could have just one loss. Uh, they do play Georgia about a month before, but Missouri at home, Tennessee at home, at Mississippi State before they play Alabama. It's not crazy to think they beat all those teams, and they're on, they're on like a hot streak. So again, I'm not I'm not saying three and three Kentucky is going to knock off nine and zero Alabama. I'm saying a top hitting on all cylinders Kentucky, mm-hmm. which a lot of people may not be realizing, could upend Alabama late in the season, particularly if it's cold. I mean, who wants to go up to Lexington when it's cold? And I got you. I, and looking at that schedule, I could see that. I mean, obviously, we're talking a perfect storm here. But sometimes, man, a bumpy road is, is what makes these games a little bit more high alert, if you will. I mean, if they do lose to a Tennessee mm-hmm. or if they do play Mississippi State close at home, you know, then you're just kind of overlooking it and throwing that game away. And then next thing you know, you're in the third quarter there in Lexington saying, holy shit, we got a ball game, you know. So, right. um, yeah, I'm with you here on this one, brother. This is a, this this is an interesting matchup. I just like it because it's a, it's a game we haven't got to see in a long time, too. Yep. All right, how about this one, Shane? I can't believe. One side's already chalking this up as a W. One side's already chalking this up to a loss. And I'm just shaking my head over here, Shane. Because we've we've done this before. Tennessee at Florida, September 16th. By God, that's the biggest toss-up game I've ever seen in my life. All the pressure in the world is going to be on Tennessee, particularly if Florida does lose week one to Utah. not saying they will, but if they do, they already have a loss. Mm-hmm. That's been a house of horror for them, Vols. I mean, if Tennessee loses that game, I don't know. I mean, I'm not calling them a one-year wonder, but that narrative is going to start early if they lose to a Florida team that's already got a loss. I could already tell you how it's going to play out. You know, Florida will look <laughs> terrible against Utah. They'll struggle week two against McNeese. And Tennessee will be a 10-point favorite. And yeah. Oh, man. Some all- third-string quarterback rolls in in Gainesville <laughs> and kicks her ass, you know? Yeah, I've seen this story too, Mike. I mean, it's been, what, 17 years? It's been a rough – it's been a rough go. So, yep. I, 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 you know, I I would be lying if I told you I wasn't in the camp of saying this is a blowout opportunity. This mm-hmm. is the best shot we've got to just destroy the Florida Gators. But I'd also be lying if I wasn't saying the devil behind me saying, you sure about that? Are you sure about that? Because I am not sure about that. Anybody that's ever watched the Tennessee-Florida matchup, you always know you're going to get a hell of a game. And most of the time it doesn't go the volunteer way. But, again, I'm a homer, and I am one of those in the camp. So I am not marking this as a guaranteed victory by no means. Okay. Well, I'm- at, at least you're not right now. We'll see, we'll yeah, see down, no, the, we'll see down the road. Me, <laughs> let me see him after Austin P. You know. What I'm <laughs> How about this one, Shane? I, I don't think enough people are circling this game. I think this is a big, big, big game here. Arkansas at LSU, September 23rd. Hell, last time Arkansas went down to Baton Rouge, they won. I, I realize different coaching staff and everything like that for the Tigers, but I think there's a real chance. That Arkansas is undefeated. All the, they just have to beat Western Carolina, Kent State, and BYU all at home. 
So this will be their mm-hmm. first road game. It'll be tricky. LSU will be coming off the Mississippi State game. Could be a real tough game. I think this is a, I think this is a big, big trap game that many LSU chalking up as an automatic win. Arkansas, not saying they'll chalk, they're chalking it up as an automatic loss, but it's one they really got to – you know, I, I just think the upset, if you even want to call it that, potential is real for this one. Maybe Arkansas is legit. Yeah, I think I think one of the problems too, or I I don't want to call it problems, but Arkansas has got a kind of a tough little schedule here. You know, after that BYU, there's no Saturdays off, and, and I think sometimes that helps. You know, when you 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 pencil in a cupcake, you kind of have these ups and downs, and you you know you don't maybe you don't practice as hard because you blew a team out by 40 points. Well, Arkansas is not going to have that luxury. It's going to mm-hmm. be a damn fight after that BYU game. So, uh, yeah, I could definitely see this as a, as a matchup as a tight matchup last year, you know, why, why? And I, I think, you know, both teams, I, in my opinion are improved. So why wouldn't we have a tight game this year? And it kind of reminds me a little bit, Shane, of uh, years ago when Mississippi state, they went into Baton Rouge, same thing. Dak Prescott, that was his breakout performance. Of course, KJ's, mm-hmm. you know, people that really pay attention to this stuff, he's already broken out, but he's got a lot of doubters still. I don't I don't understand why. Yeah. But they had to beat LSU, and then they had a top, another top five showdown with Auburn and, and another top mm-hmm. five. You know, it was, it was big-time game after big-time game. They kept on winning. That's how they ascended to number one in the – I'm not seeing here – Pump the brakes. I'm not saying Arkansas is going to be number one, but hell, they won't be if they don't beat LSU. But if they do, the path to uh, you know being a top five, being a top ten team is is there in front of them. Absolutely, man. No, I, I that's one of those teams that if they catch fire early in the season, you know, easily going to be a top ten matchup. So uh, yeah, going to be a hell of a game no matter what. Now I've already referenced this one on a podcast previous we've done, Shane. I've already. Outright predicted the upset, so I got to throw this one on there. Alabama at Auburn in the Iron Bowl, November 25th. Again, I think Auburn will be much better at the tail end of the season than the beginning. If this was a week one matchup, Shane, I'd probably pick Alabama mm-hmm. by 28 points. You know what I mean? But <laughs> I I just think there's magic on the plains late in the year. They could catch fire. Again, this is one not – even though I've already predicted the upset, I'm not sitting here saying the upset. I'm saying this is this could be a hell of a lot more like a toss up because hell, Brian Harson nearly knocked off Alabama. I think Hugh Freeze can do it this year. Yeah, and you know what I like about this one is just how that schedule, you know, especially Auburn's schedule is at the end of the season. They've got a real opportunity to end the season strong with a lot mm-hmm. of victories and momentum. And that I think some people say momentum ain't real, man. I think it is, brother. I think you know when you start putting some some W's under your belt and you you make a a bowl game, something that these kids get, didn't get to do last year, and Hugh Freeze and and company are 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 all kicking at the same time, I think there's an opportunity. And, you know, it's funny about Alabama and Auburn. It's like if you remove the rivalry, if you if you just take Team A and Team B and you put them on a neutral site, you know, you're going to you're gonna say Alabama's going to win by a ton of points. But the fact that it is a rivalry and the fact that it is on the Plains, it's like you naturally reduce the points because you know it's going to be a closer game than, than just any other matchup that Bama has. So, yeah, that, I, you Obviously, Bama's not going to be sleeping on Auburn in the Iron Bowl here, but uh, I think this game's going to be closer than the experts say. 
Now, how about this one, Shane? Again, we got we got to be cautious every time we we mention the Bulldogs maybe losing a game here. <laughs> I'm not saying until they lose one, I'm probably never picking them to lose another one. <laughs> Everybody's talking about this trip to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I got my sights set the week before, Shane. Ole Miss comes to Athens at Georgia, mm-hmm. November 11th. I just think there's a potential to be a lot more of a toss-up type game. I think Lane Kiffin could have that thing really rolling. If he gets strong quarterback play, may have upgraded through the portal. I think Ole Miss could be a very, very dangerous team, in particular if Georgia is looking ahead to Tennessee. Ole Miss at Georgia. Thoughts on that being maybe a little bit more of a toss-up than people are viewing right now. You know, I mean, that's where we're at, Mike, in 2023, trying to figure out which potential loss Georgia can have. Just one, you know, not multiple. Which is the trap game? And uh, do you have Georgia on – I just – and I don't want to give it away, but I am curious. Do you have Georgia anymore on this list? No, this was the only one. <laughs> okay, so this is the game. This is basically all- me trying to put Georgia on them somewhere. <laughs> You had a pencil of a man and, and come up with a fun story here. No, I think I think you're right. And one of the things that, that it's all going to boil down to is quarterback play from Ole Miss. You know, I, I think we're starting to get into that dark camp. And, you know, if he really does take that next step and, and you know, runs this lane system like we know that his offenses can can produce then yeah man i i can be i can be convinced that this is a close game i'm not necessarily saying it's a upset alert but it is a it is a potential trap game because nobody's going to think that old miss can beat the georgia bulldogs so uh yeah interesting one didn't even think about this out of all the games that georgia has this year this is the one you know that that you're say hey pump the brakes don't overlook these guys yeah all right, how about this one, Shane? I'm, I'm loving this game. The more that we get closer and closer to the season, because everybody's hyping up them South Carolina Gamecocks, Shane. But you know what they say when they talk about the Gamecocks? They say, "Whoa, they got to play North Carolina. They go to Georgia. They go to Tennessee. And you know what? They just completely overlook, Shane, that Mississippi State Bulldogs coming into town. That's a game September 23rd on my radar that I think South Carolina's got to be very, very careful because Mississippi State's a hell of a lot better program than people want to give them credit for. They play in the rugged SEC West. I realize Columbia is a tough place to play. But here's the other thing, Shane, and this is not South Carolina's fault, but it's a lot tougher to play at night in Columbia. And just think, this is also something I factored in. When ESPN is setting these schedules, you think they're going to say, oh, Mississippi State, South Carolina, let's make that the primetime Saturday night slot. No. I don't think so. Welcome to noon, my friend. I think that, exactly. I think they're going to say, this is, let's put this as a nooner. And that's when these away teams catch a napping. That's, I think that's a big one that, that South Carolina cannot overlook. That's a good point, Mike. You know, I don't think about it because that's, you know, naturally as a Vol fan, I'm I've got them penciled in. I can't wait to play them. You know, they're going to be looking for them Tennessee Vols. They're yeah. going to be coming off a tough game with the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, man, this is a great spot. This is this is one oh one trap game right here. Twelve o'clock, Mississippi State. No cowbells in sight. Come on now, this is going to be a tight one. So. 
and if you come ill-prepared and Mississippi State's dialed in and play some physical football, which I think that's what they're going to be leaning on this year, you know, South Carolina could have their hands full. So, uh, yeah, this will be an interesting matchup. It could be a hell of a game. Now, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this one, Shane. Let's see if you can set your orange bias aside here. <laughs> Tennessee at Missouri, November 11th. Ooh. Josh Heupel has owned Missouri as Tennessee's coach. It's kind of like the curse of Heupel since he left as offensive uh-huh. coordinator. But I think that's one you got to watch as Missouri's defense, if they continue to get better, if they get some production out of the offense this year, we both think Missouri could be much, much improved. Similar to last year, you know, they, I mean, they whooped Tennessee whooped South Carolina two years ago. Mm-hmm. We just completely overlooked that trip to South Carolina, and they paid the ultimate price for it. I think Missouri is one that could sneak up on Tennessee this year. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, I thought you were going to say Georgia may sneak up on them, but I, I get you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll take my biased hat off for a second. And, you know, one of the things is when, the, when Mizzou came to town last year, that was a ball game, man. Yeah, that was like I, I, it's like the recipe got out on how to defend the Tennessee Vols, and there's only a handful of defenses that were capable of locking down with those cornerbacks, and and Missouri has one of those. The problem they ran into, they just didn't have enough depth. They could not go toe to toe to the very end. I think they got more depth this year. It is at home, and like you said, yeah, that's a tough game. You're looking at it as a Vol fan, easy W. But when it gets a little bit closer, there's that, you know, in the back of your mind, you start thinking, well, if it's like last year and we a couple breaks don't go our way, do we lose? So uh, I'm with you. Trap game. Not necessarily, uh, you know, I I wouldn't call it a 50-50 game, but it is one that easily could be overlooked and, and, and catch the volunteers off guard. And another reason I like it, Shane, you know who Tennessee plays the following week? Georgia. Georgia, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, they might be caught yeah. looking ahead. You know, particularly, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it, particularly if they're both undefeated at that point in time. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, that would be tough. Got them at home. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I mean, that is that's. Tra- <laughs> I'm trying not to say trap game. I've already done it like 15 <laughs> times. You know, I'm trying to come up. What's what's a uh, what's in what's the definition of? I'm sorry, man. This is this is why you tried. To, what is the word for you try to find another word like that? Like, like a synonym? With an S. Syn- synonym? Yeah. Yeah. See, I was going to Google that, you know, another synonym <laughs> for a trap game so I didn't sound like an idiot. But, yeah, this this is it. Overlooking the overlooking Mizzou to get to Georgia, that, that could happen. How about this one, Shane? Arkansas at Florida. Of course, maybe that's a toss-up already, but uh, I would imagine yeah. most Florida fans assume they'll they'll beat Arkansas. Arkansas. Well, Arkansas fans are always confident in their team, so I'm not <laughs> saying they're scheduling a loss here, but it's never easy to go into the swamp and get a win. I think this is a lot more of a toss-up game than uh, than a lot of people want to make it out to be. Yeah, a little bit of a toss-up game. The only the only reason I would say not is um, Ar- Arkansas does have a week off prior to this one, you know. So sometimes it, it feels like when you got two weeks to prepare for a matchup, you don't overlook them as much. But 
definitely going to be a tough fought game. And it is one of those that if you pull the Florida Gators, they're like, oh, yeah, easy dub. And then you do the Arkansas, they're like, oh, there's no way we're losing to the Florida Gators. So <laughs> one of those fan bases will be hurt that Saturday for sure. Yeah. All right, how about this one, Shane? Kentucky, again, high on Kentucky here. At South Carolina late in the year, November 18th, Kentucky has owned South Carolina, at least until last year. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they were down with their quarterback there. So I, I think that's another one where you got to be careful, Shane. This is not going to be an automatic W for South Carolina. You, you look at South Carolina's last four, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Clemson, we assume yeah. – that they'll just be on a wave of momentum going into that Clemson game, all at home. There's a chance they win them all. I'm not saying they can't, but, man, you cannot overlook that. We know. We know Mark Stoops hates Shane Beamer, so they're yeah. going to be locked in for this one, I feel like. Yeah, that's that's one of the things. Like When I'm thinking about these games that just pop up on us, it's it's – Sometimes you're overlooking them, and I just don't see any way, any scenario where Kentucky overlooks South Carolina or South Carolina overlooks Kentucky. This thing's turned into a little bit of a heated rivalry, and I love it. So this is going to be a tough game, and uh, I would argue closer to a 50-50 matchup than more of a trap scenario. Now, final one on my list here, Shane. Let me know what you think about it. Florida at South Carolina, October 14th. They have traded. Two years ago, South Carolina blew them out. Last Mm -hmm. year, Florida blew them out. So, you know, I think naturally you assume, okay, the revenge game, it's in Columbia, they'll get their revenge back. But, Shane, all the trash I've been talking about, the Gators, first of all, I I just assume it's going to come back to bite me. That's number one. Mm -hmm. But second, I mean, you know they're hearing all this stuff. Yeah. This is, again, they're not – on Georgia, Alabama's LSU's level, but they're still one of the most talented rosters. We're about to talk with Jake Wimberly. He's got him. He's got Florida right now as a college football playoff talent profile team. Yeah. So I mean, this is not a team devoid of talent by any means. I could see them, you know, just proving all the idiots like me wrong, winning nine, ten games, and it's going. The only way that's going to happen is by winning these games at South mm-hmm. Carolina. Um, I, I'm throwing this as a potential toss-up as well. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right, brother. And the, the, the timing of that game couldn't be better, I think, for the Florida Gators. So, yeah, uh, they got a week off after that one. Prepare for Georgia. So it's not like they're really going to be overlooking them. And so uh, you're going to get the best Florida Gators action in that one. So I think that one's going to be just a fun one to watch, brother. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I, I think – that game got personal, you know. I, I it, it felt like it woke up that that locker room of South Carolina's after it. You know, it's like, I mean, there was a lot of us, myself included, thinking, "Damn, this this team is going to implode. This is it. <laughs> you know, this is the last that we're going to have to hear from South Carolina." But it was almost like it flipped the switch. So don't think that uh, they're not going to be remembering that when they step on the field and the Florida Gators the, the same way. I think that's that's going to be a program that's going to have to fight their ass off this season uh, to get the accolades they deserve. And, you know, another one uh, Florida games that I'm looking forward to is the LSU. I think that's another matchup that's always tight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could kind of throw the, the records out here and LSU probably going to be moving along – 
competing for a West championship. And then all of a sudden the Florida Gators come into town and, and mix things up. So Florida's got an interesting schedule and it's, it's definitely one that's going to have a lot of tough fault games in. This is what we do all summer, Shane. We talk ourselves out of these teams and then we talk them right back <laughs> in a, a week later. You know what? The Gators don't belong in the bottom of the SEC. You know, I, it just doesn't feel natural. And yeah. it feels like there's going to be a moment where the similar to South Carolina that that light switch hits and says, you know what? Hey, we are one of the top teams in the SEC. When are we going to start acting like it? So it may be in 23. It may be in 26. I don't know. But at some point, just, just like some of these other programs, they're, they're going to make a rise to the top. Mm-hmm. All right, let's kick it over now to our interview. Shane, really great stuff from Jake Wimberly, host of the Afternoon Drive ESPN Radio out of Jackson, Mississippi, and owner of the CFB Hourglass. All right, we're pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, Jake Wimberly, does an outstanding job hosting the Afternoon Drive ESPN Radio out of Jackson, Mississippi, and of course, also the owner of the CFBHourglass.com website, does an outstanding job with all that, and the Hourglass just debuted for the 2023 season, so Jake, can't thank you enough for joining the show. Michael, I always appreciate you. Um, love the set. It always looks great. I, hey, is that a Jared Lorenzen doll? It is, yeah. A fan actually sent that out to me. I, I think they they did a bunch of them for charity, and uh, we are huge fans of, of Jared Lorenzen, so it's it's an honor to to have him. And, and the, we got the book here from Mike Leach. I mean, people that affect us, we, we want to praise them, uh, especially when they're gone, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you having me today. And, uh, hey, we're under that 150 mark college football here before you know it. Yeah. So we've had you on before, but I'm sure we got new listeners that have not caught uh, your appearances talking about the CFB hourglass. Before we get into to some of these projections, can you give the audience just a brief overlay of what the CFB hourglass is? Sure. Yeah. And for those that haven't uh, heard any of my work, I'm uh, on ESPN 105.9 The Zone in Jackson, Mississippi, every day, three to six. Program director there for the station as well. Um, background in engineering, civil engineering and mathematics um, from Mississippi State 2000. Worked private, publicly in civil engineering for a long time. But over the years, you know, everybody loves to pick up the old magazine. Here in about a month, we'll get them. The old Lindy's, you know, the Athlons. I still go to the stores. I still pick them up. I want to hold it in my hand, flip through the pages. Been doing it since I was a kid. And we all like to take that schedule and go, okay, yeah, hey, South Carolina's going to beat this team. They're going to lose to this team. And we'll say, okay, they're going to be six and six or seven and five. Well, this is just uh, my twist. And there's several people out there that do this from the Dave Bartus of the world, Kelly Fords, that have their own models. Um, This is my model that I've been working on for about eight or nine years where we use mathematics to try to predict and project college football. It's not exact. Um, you know, typically just on a scale one to one, just predicting games um, around 80 percent. You know, we take these now and uh, use them for our Vegas lines as well. Uh, I'm a grand ambassador for Maristar Casino in Pittsburgh, Mississippi. Been there for five years doing all of their sports gaming stuff <clears throat> in conjunction with our show. So we use it against the spread. They they enjoy it. It's fun. Uh, so it's just a great model, uh, or at least in my mind, my model that predicts college football, not just in the SEC, but around the country. And sometimes you hit it right on the head, and then sometimes you don't. Um, there's been times where it's fallen on its head. Not everything is perfect, but uh, it is a it is a predictor model 
for college football. Yeah, and this is really in-depth stuff. We'll put a link to the CFB Hourglass in the show notes because I recommend all the audience to go check it out. It's not just SEC content, but of course, all the SEC teams well covered by Jake over at CFB Hourglass. But I wanted to start with you, Jake. Teams, according to your model, that have championship-level talent out of the SEC. I mean, everybody and their mother could tell you Alabama, Georgia, and I think even LSU. Um, any surprise that Texas A&M, Florida, I'm already seeing blowback for Florida, and Tennessee, those are the, the six out of the SEC that have championship-level talent. Again, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, A&M, Florida, and Tennessee. Any surprise that uh, – let's start with Florida, that Florida made that list? Uh, well, you know, some are are surprised by that. And, and here's what we got to remember here. And I apologize for Miss Zoe going through here, getting a charger here. I, I break the talent down in three different levels. One, uh, there's the championship level. That that would mean anybody that's got talent that uh, has that talent level that can possibly win the national title. So that would mean, hey, if, if Florida's playing in the ACC or if they're playing at a different conference just on talent alone, um, they can they can possibly win the national title. The second level is to punch a ticket to that's about number seventeen to about twenty five or thirty. They have enough talent to where they can possibly make the college football playoff. The third is outside that realm. They pretty much don't have a shot now. TCU was right on that line last year. They were able to do it, but remember, this is talent alone. It's only one portion of the equation. The problem that we get into is in the SEC is where, for instance, Mississippi State and Ole Miss they have top twenty five talent. But then they're also matched up against a more talented team in LSU this week. Next week, they may have a more talented team against A&M. And then also, they may have played an equal talented team in South Carolina. So just because it says that, top 25 doesn't mean necessarily they're going to win every game. Um, if you don't believe it, that the SEC has that many talented teams, just look at the NFL draft. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, we hit on the, the national championship level talent. Like you said, the the SEC teams with playoff talent, it's virtually – it, it is. It's every team aside from Vanderbilt, which just makes this such a competitive league that makes it so tough to project. Uh, but it, I thought it was pretty interesting, Jake, that uh, uh, even Missouri, Mississippi State, Kentucky, uh, all above uh, South Carolina at number 27. Does that – and we'll get to your coach ranks here in a second, but are you surprised that South Carolina is getting so much hype considering uh, you've got them number 27 uh, when it comes to, to roster talent? And then uh, Shane Beamer, again, we'll get to him in a second, but a little bit further down your list. So are you as high on the Gamecocks as uh, many others? I do like South Carolina. I like what Shane Beamer's done. I wasn't a big fan of Shane Beamer, not, nothing personal when he got the job. But when you look at the way that he's worked the transfer portal, he's gone in, he pulled a couple guys out of the state of Mississippi as well. They've come into the state of Mississippi, pulled some kids out of here. He's done a really good job recruiting. He's high energy. We know that. Uh, the guys seem to like him. The players like him. So, yeah, and, you know, South Carolina, for instance, at 27, and let's just say Florida, I don't have my list in front of me, at, you know, 15 – that's really only three or four players over a, over the course of three or four years that can change those rankings. So, you know, it's it's not surprising to see a team like Missouri, who maybe is down that list a little bit, upset a team like Florida or play Georgia to the wire on a, on a given Saturday. So, yeah, but to answer your question, I do like South Carolina. I feel like there's an arms race of sorts in the SEC East right now after Georgia. Is it going to be Tennessee, who looks like they have a little leg out in front? 
Florida or is it going to be South Carolina or even Kentucky for that second spot? Now, jumping to your coach rankings, Jake, I'm not surprised, but I think some people might be. Kirby Smart, number one, Nick Saban, number two. And this is uh, not just in the SEC, but it, but obviously in the entire country. Um, how close was that in your model, and, and did that surprise you at all? Or not really considering Georgia, heck, they just won back-to-back national championships. Yeah, I tend to look at coaches a little differently than others. Now, if we go full-scale, it's all relative to how you're looking at, it, at coaches or players. If we go for the history of a coach's life, Nick Saban's number one. I don't go for the whole coach's life. I go on about a three-year window, and actually it is on three years. And that includes top 25 wins, top 25 losses. Uh, All of this works into the coach's model. Wins on the road, wins at home, losses ding you big time if you lose to an FCS opponent. Over the last three years, and I think the records show it, Kirby Smart has moved ahead of Nick Saban. Two back-to-back national champions, what he's done in recruiting. Uh, The margin is still very, very small. But over this year, this is the first year I've been doing this. I've been doing this the eighth year that any coach has moved past Nick Saban as the number one coach. Kirby Smart did it this year, but it's by just a little bit. Now, I was very interested, Jake. Your model's got Hugh Freeze as the number seven coach in the country. And again, going back to SEC teams with playoff caliber talent, Auburn right at 17. You can combine those figures. Of course, we got another one to get to here. But considering the coach, considering the talent, are people sleeping on Auburn? Do you think that's a fair assessment? Probably so. Now, do I think Auburn is going to have an LSU and Brian Kelly jump from last year? Probably not. But Auburn has proven, I mean, again, we look at Auburn and say, man, Brian Hartson, that was a bad program, not a really good team. But, I mean, they went to Starkville and almost beat Mississippi State, lost that game in overtime. You wake up on a given Saturday, Auburn's still in a ball game. They've got players. They just don't have the right players in certain positions. And you look at Hugh Freeze, a lot of that coaching model comes from what he did, obviously all of it, what he did at Liberty. We don't take into account anything he did at Ole Miss. But if you look at the history of Hugh Freeze, he's been a winner everywhere he's been. He was able to take Ole Miss, and he's a developer of quarterbacks. I think Hugh Freeze is one of the more underrated coaches in the country. I don't know that he'll necessarily make that jump this year. In two years, I could see it. But if Alabama has problems at quarterback, by the end of the year, as we know that Iron Bowl goes, Auburn very well could upset Alabama down on the plains. Now, you got Jimbo Fisher as uh, the 13th best coach in the entire country. I have to imagine he rated a lot higher uh, this time last year in your model. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the loss to App State, that definitely dings him last year, or coming into this year. You look at him flipping the the, the uh, record to five and seven. It, it definitely dinged him. I mean, he was sitting in the top ten annually over the last several years. But, yeah, that moved him outside the top ten. We know how important this year is for him. Uh, bringing in Bobby Petrino, Jimbo Fisher, you know, kind of moving in the wrong direction. I said I would get to Shane Beamer. You got him number 40 right now. What's it going to take for him to take that big jump up? And is that in part due to the fact that you really only got two years of data at, for him to – I mean, he's an outstanding assistant. He, he's been that his entire career and recruiter. But we only got two years of data as him as a head coach. Does that factor in at all with his overall coaching grade? No, you bring up a great point. It absolutely does. So when you have a coordinator, um, and, you know, Dave Bartu and his group do a great job of ranking coordinators. Um, I don't do that. One, I don't have the time to rank coordinators, to be honest with you. Uh, that's a lot, a lot of work. But two, when a coordinator takes over as a head coaching job, I kind of have what I call an identifier. If you're an offensive guy, you're going to get this number. Everyone's with a blanket number. It's just kind of a starting point. If you're a defensive coordinator in the head coaching spot, it's going to be a little less. 
um, just because offense, you score more points, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, the data, uh, there's not enough. And as you continue to move along and he continues to be successful, that number will move and climb. Same way with quarterbacks. I got a uh, question on uh, Twitter about Joe Milton, why he was so low in the quarterback rankings. Well, the quarterback rankings, and I know we haven't got to that yet, but just to kind of the same degree, the quarterback rankings are based on data from last year. So it's all kinds of stuff, again, put into the model, um, you know, completion percentage, all kinds of different stuff goes into it. So Milton, we only have a small sample size. Yay through 10 touchdowns, no picks. He doesn't have a big enough sample size to rate against a Will Rogers who played a full year, A.J. Jefferson. So by default, he's going to go down a little bit. Same way with Georgia quarterbacks, Alabama quarterbacks, Ohio State quarterbacks, guys that we don't know. Yes, they're highly rated players, but I don't include star ratings in the quarterbacks. It's strictly on on-field, on-field production. So you may see, look at Georgia's quarterbacks and go, wow, they're in the high 30s. That's no way. Probably not. But that's where they ended up in the model. As we move through the year, when we start talking about working uh, Vegas lines and stuff, quarterback ratings start to change. All that starts to change to give you, an, you know, as accurate as possible a number for a team. Yeah, I'm glad you you said that, Jay, because I was going to ask you, why do you hate Joe Milton? That was my next question. <laughs> right, right. Long but distinguished list. Yeah. Well, there's no SEC quarterbacks, according to your model, in the top ten, which, again, that will change, like you said. But uh, was that a surprise, or, or is that – do you think that's a – that gives you an indication that we're we're lacking some star power short of Jaden Daniels, KJ Jefferson, and and you got Will Rogers, number twelve, and Devin Leary, who I'm very high on as I go back and watch him as well. Those are your four top SEC quarterbacks. Were you surprised that there were no uh top ten quarterbacks out of the SEC? A little bit after getting into the numbers, but then you think about it. Um and every conference goes through this. There's shelf lives for big time quarterbacks and then they cycle off. I mean Stetson Bennett went way up the charts based on what he did at Georgia the last two years. Bryce Young, we know he was at, he was at the top. But when you look at um, the production out west with Caleb Williams at USC, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, Bo Nix, what he did, was able to do at, at Oregon. Um, you look at some of the other quarterbacks around the country uh, at Duke and at North Carolina, they are just more productive quarterbacks. So I think it's just the shelf life of the SEC is kind of resetting itself, and you very well could see. Uh, you know, a Georgia quarterback moving to that top 10. You could see uh, a Devin Leary at Kentucky moving to that top 10 or a Will Rogers. So, yeah, right outside the num- right outside the top 10, a little surprising, but when you kind of look at the landscape of college football, not that surprised. Well, Jake, I wanted to ask you about your national championship projection, and I wanted to save that to the end here because I don't want the audience to just turn off immediately and wonder who in the heck is this nut job that's got Michigan winning the national championship over Georgia. Have you seen Michigan in a college football playoff? They can't even beat TCU. Please explain your model here, Jake. Absolutely. So, look, it's a risky pick. It's and it's 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 not just reaching for something here. What I look at is this. Okay. A couple things. One, the talent has to be there. And you can read about this on CFBHourglass.com. I tier it out three different tiers. A bronze tier, you know, a, a silver tier and a gold tier. That's the teams that I think have a shot. You can be a bronze team and still get into the into the college football playoff. Um, but to win it, you've got to have a couple things. One, you got to be extremely talented. We know that. You look at the past champions. You look at Georgia, number one recruiter in the country. Um, you look at Alabama, always when they win it, number one recruiter in the country. Clemson, top five recruit in the country. So you got to be got to have that. There are no Cinderella's in college football. TCU tried to, to put on the slipper last year. 
heck of a run, but we saw what happened when they actually lined up against Georgia. It wasn't pretty. The thing was over in seven minutes. But you, so you, you put the talent in, one. Two, you got to have the coaching. Got to have really, really good coaching. Um, Kirby Smart's proved it. Nick Saban's proved it. Davo Swinney. Uh, he's suffering a little bit from some of the turnover on his staff. And I blanket head coaches as like a CEO. So whenever, you know, Saban loses a coordinator, it's up to him to get another one. If you're running a business and you lose your main point guy and whatever business that you're running or girl, it's up to you to replace them. So your coaches have to be there. Then you have to have the quarterback play. So you look at the quarterback play for the national championship over the last, I mean, you can go back a gazillion years, look at what Trevor Lawrence did, look at what, you know, uh, Tua Tungavaloa was able to come off the bench and do. Look at, uh, you know, any any quarterback along the way. Look at Joe Burrow at LSU. Got to have elite quarterback play to win a national title. Then your offensive and defensive scoring efficiency numbers have to be 15 or in, literally. Offensive scoring efficiency, defensive scoring efficiency. If you don't believe it, uh, there's a story. I need to pull it, and it's deep on that website, and I'll, I'll refresh it. Showing that 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 absolutely does exist. If you look at Georgia last year, number they were in the top three in both categories. LSU the year Joe Burrow won it. LSU was number one in offensive scoring efficiency, but they were sitting around 17th defensively. And actually, all would say you can look at the efficiency numbers. It's kind of like a stock market watching college football. As teams go, see teams, you know, especially if you say I had seven undefeated teams halfway through the year. Some of those are paper tigers, and you can look at them and tell by their efficiency numbers. One this year is going to be probably USC. A lot of people are going to put USC, you know, as a, as a dark horse or a chance to win because of Kayla Williams. And, and, and that is that is understandable. But and they will likely be the number one team in the country in offensive scoring efficiency. But they were 108 last year in defensive scoring efficiency. And that's going to get you dinged along the way. So mm. back to your question about the national championship. I do have Georgia taking on Michigan. Both teams recruit inside the top five, advantage Georgia. And coaching-wise, Kirby Smart, his staff, really good. Jim Harbaugh, really, really good. You know, we look at Jim Harbaugh. We clown on Jim Harbaugh a lot. He's won everywhere he's been. He won at, at San Diego State. He won at Stanford. He's won at Michigan. He won at the NFL. He's quietly put together a really good staff, coaches it really well. Georgia runs it really well. Also, Michigan runs it really well. they got an 18-touchdown running back coming back this year. That's another guy who went for a thousand yards as well. So, and believe it or not, Michigan is built somewhat like Georgia. They have, and I think that's by design, I, not necessarily Georgia, but you're seeing almost a, a change in the way teams are playing offensively. Where when we got to four wide and everybody was throwing it all over the field, we thought that's where we're at. Georgia kind of went away from that. They started running the ball, they throw it when they need to, they play good defense, use the tight end game. Michigan runs it, uses the tight end game. But I think the linchpin. J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. He played in last year's playoff. He's a seasoned quarterback now. And, you know, Georgia, we'll see what that quarterback situation looks like. But I think McCarthy being the more experienced guy, he's going to be an NFL guy. He's already put on a lot of lists as a first or second round pick next year. To me, the edge is a quarterback, and I think that's where it's at. I think Michigan can run it just like Georgia can. I think they can play defense. Not as good as Georgia, but pretty darn close. My edge is only because of McCarthy. Now, if Georgia, if this quarterback thing worked out, they may, they may run a rough shot to a three-peat. Mm. All right, Jake, I really appreciate all your time. Final question for you. I mean, everybody, even your model, you know, Georgia, that's favorites in the East. If you were to ask most people who's a maybe a, a second tier in the East, it's, gonna, it's probably going to be Tennessee. 
in the West, everyone's going to have Alabama or LSU. I don't think anyone, aside from homers, is going to have anyone but those four teams potentially winning those divisions. Based on your model, your numbers, and everything, just stars align, everything breaks right. Maybe it would take a TCU-type run. But could you pick one West team and one East team to kind of keep your eye on, not to not to sit here and say you're, you're picking them to win their division, but if the stars align, maybe – a, a team from each division that could pull off a, a major upset. Yeah, we're talking outside of the LSU, Alabama, Georgia ranks, right? Yes, sir. And Tennessee. I'll, I'll throw them and in there. Throw Tennessee in there. Absolutely. Um, let's go Arkansas in the SEC West. AJ Jefferson and the way they played, you know, they can play offense. If they stay healthy, they're going to be a handful. Uh, and, and Sam Pittman has Arkansas playing as physical. And again, notice the trend. Georgia, physical, physical, physical. Michigan, physical. Alabama's trying to get back to more physical football. Um, Arkansas is as physical a football team as you're going to run up on. So I like Arkansas. Look for the Arkansas Razorbacks. If we were going to have a team to kind of upset the apple cart. And if we're going to the other side, let's go South Carolina. Let's go South Carolina. If Spencer Rattler, we talk about elite quarterback play, can bottle what he had at the end of the year last year, and he becomes the guy that he was at Oklahoma. We Remember, we forget this, Spencer Rattler was a preseason Number one draft guy. I mean, they had him at the top of every draft board. He fell off the wagon at Oklahoma. Kayla Williams surfaced and it was over. If Spencer Rattler can bottle that up and be that kind of guy again, watch out for South Carolina. So let's go Arkansas and South Carolina. All right, Jake, I can't thank you enough. Before you go, can you tell the audience where's the easiest, best place to find all your work? Yeah, just go to, uh, you know, follow me on Twitter at Jake Wim. You'll see everything there. I put the podcast up there. It's on Apple iTunes. Uh, the Afternoon Drive with Jake Wimberly, cfhourlast.com. If you want to stream our show, uh, if you're outside the state of Mississippi, just go to thezone1059.com. Uh, you can always find me on Facebook, Jake Wimberly. It's an open account. Um, so I'm really just kind of Google me, and you'll you'll see where we're at. But just Twitter's the best place, at Jake Wim. All right, Chase. So great stuff, as always, from Jake. Man, I wish I had the brain power to do <laughs> computer analytics and all that, but – some, some pretty fascinating stuff. And I, what I love about this, Shane, I mean, this is not his opinion. This is his model. And how about it, Shane? I mean, basically, the entire SEC has got the talent profile, according to Jake, to make a run at the college football playoff. That's exactly what all these fans want to hear. That's awesome, man. He reminds me, of, it's like Pinky in the brain, you know? So, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he was the brain. I'm Pinky trying to figure out how to spell synonym. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's just where we're at, brother. Uh, there are definitely just two different types of people out there. So, no, this is awesome. Awesome interview. Uh, always great to have him on. It just feels like I, I get smarter <laughs> every time I hear him, you know? So, we, we need to have some more smart people on this show, Mike. <laughs> Yep. Well, there's none on between you and I, trust me. But, <laughs> hey, brother, you got anything uh, before we hop off the line? No, man. I mean, you'd think we wouldn't have any news, and here we are loaded with it. So, again, if you get an opportunity, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are calling in with ideas. You know, we're not putting them on the air and, and all that. But, you know, hey, we're marking these down and appreciate it. There's some great ones, Mike. Yep. Some that we are in the works of we were in the process of doing anyway we just you know haven't got haven't 
we haven't got the infrastructure yet to, to accomplish them. But if you got an idea for a show or anything like that, it doesn't necessarily need to be aired. Again, give that hotline a buzz and, uh, you know, help us. Help. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're, we're doing the show that you guys want. So if there's something you want to hear or something you want to go over, feel free to let us know. We'll, we'll definitely expand on it. Yeah, and that number is 615-965-5152. But that's going to do it, brother, for this episode of the show. I appreciate you, as always, and I appreciate each and every one of you for checking us out. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Falls. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.